This episode was recorded prior to the tragic events that occurred in Uvalde, Texas at Robb Elementary School. The ideas and thoughts expressed during this episode should be taken with the understanding that this incident had not yet occurred. The Texas Association of School Psychologists and the National Association of School Psychologists have numerous resources to help during these troubled times. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, please reach out to our School Safety and Crisis Committee Chair, Dr. Rachel Team, at schoolsafetytxasp.org. That's schoolsafetytxasp.org. Thank you. Welcome, party people, back to the Task Talks podcast, the podcast where we talk about the world of school psychology, education, and our random thoughts and musings. Welcome back to part two of our episode with Brian and Greg. We brought them on last week to kind of talk about who they are, what they do, and their company that they have. And now this episode, we're we tease that we're going to talk about the application of it. Um, I have my special host guests with me today, Brooke Roberts and Ra- Dr. Rachel Team. How are you guys doing? Uh, Chris, I don't know. Are we referred to as party people? School technologists? <laughs> well, if you've ever been to any of our conferences, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. It's because the whole the hotel staff has to come and, and knock on the doors at midnight and say... Get people out of elevators, you know, that type of stuff. You know, it's oh, very oh, common st- in our world. Stairwells. Stairwells. Stairwells, hallways. Yeah. Any place, any place that there's a floor, we can lie down on it. There's no rowdy, rowdy party people. <laughs> Um, but I know probably a lot of our listeners last episode were like, why, why does this matter? You know, this is really cool. They have awesome stuff. They're fun and nice people with great personalities, but how is this applied to school psychology? And we are a school psychology podcast. So, and when Brooke and I first sat down with Brian and Greg, we talked for 45 minutes on an introduction and it was like so easy just to converse with you guys. And you had so much information that we couldn't contain everything in one episode without giving a good foundational information background on who you guys are. So we're like, let's do two episodes, intro, application. And this is where we're at now. So um, uh, I know Rachel's got a really good question. Um, So let's kind of start off with that and we'll just let the conversation flow. Rachel? Yeah, well, and I wanted to say, you know, kind of as I'm listening to you guys, and like I said before, I, I listened to your most recent podcast, yesterday on the road. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of overlap between school psychology and what you guys do. I mean, um, I think it was Greg that talked about, you know, you don't just have one chance to get on the train. You get, you see that behavior come and come again. And, and as a professor teaching my students about counseling, we talk about the same thing that, yeah, your client may give you a teaser or, or give you a hint that something's going on and you might miss it the first time. You might miss your adolescent telling you something but it usually you can come back around they're going to give it to you again and so I just think there's just a whole lot of overlap and I appreciate that Um, but one of the things I thought a lot about um, as we touched on Columbine in the last episode was just um, how do we get we know that our students are the ones who often know the first have see the first signs know the first things that something's likely to happen if it's suicide if it's uh, school shooting, um, any of those kinds of things, but how do we get them um, this information? Do you guys do trainings for high schoolers, middle schoolers, younger kids? Kind of, I was just, you know, those were my thoughts, my questions. 
Yeah, so, uh, and, and that's such a uh, great question, Rachel, if I can call you Rachel instead of doctor. Like Brian, <laughs> Brian, Brian forced me to call him doctor, even though he isn't one. Uh, but <laughs> when I, 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 I teach through uh, stories. So yes, yes, we do that. And yes, we do uh, school uh, curriculums. And we try to get the kids involved. And a lot of times in and around the Dallas area, we were shot down because we didn't, we didn't, the school administrators didn't want to put ideas in their kids' head. If you don't think the ideas are already there, yeah. you failed miserably and you shouldn't be in the profession. That's just my personal opinion. So when I was growing up as a kid, there was a thing called the Bill Goodman Gun and Knife Show at the Leichhardt Armory in Detroit. It's where I bought all of my guns. I was uh, 13 to 15. I already had facial hair. I went up. My uh, dad had another family, like I said. So uh, one of them was in the, the United States Army. So they had this wallet from Vietnam that had all this military uh, stuff that was on it. I ironed my money in the basement. So my money looked like it was fresh and crisp and clean. And I went in with the, the, the idea that I would need a fake idea to buy guns. The whole idea to buy guns wasn't to rob people or, or to you know, use them against my school. At that time, I was in a very depressed period of my lifetime. And I knew that the 32 uh, Ivers Johnson and the Sebra 32 Auto that I had bought for like 50 bucks uh, on the street uh, weren't going to do the job with this immense uh, German-inspired head. So what I was searching for is a rifle or a shotgun to do the job because I had this uh, suicidal ideation uh, and not a homicidal fascination. Then what happened is I had to grow out of that because the alternative was not. Uh, uh, and so I started talking to people and people said, no, that's natural. I feel that way too. I'm uh, 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 strung out. So we went and saw the, the knack at the Temple Auditorium in Detroit, stuck and struck in, uh, snuck in backstage went to Harpo's Disco, found things to do. I got involved with a, a thing called the Civil Air Patrol that that uh, came into the schools, even inner city schools where people didn't have the money to do stuff. And all of a sudden they found out that, wait a minute, if I was involved in these different groups, uh, that I had less of a ideation or fascination with hurting myself or hurting others. The other thing is I found that every other kid had the same story. So, so I'll touch on it briefly. I know we could do an entire episode on bullying. Okay, I was both bullied and the bully. You know how you become a bully from being bullied. So the idea is that if you make that transition and say, hey, I start threatening a kid in the hallway and I was a little bit of a bigger kid. So I had to start taking martial arts to be able to do these other things. You do all of those things because your chemistry is screwed up when you're a kid and you're looking for structure and you're looking for leadership. And sometimes that leadership can't come from your family. So I would ask everybody that's listening right now to the podcast to tell me one of the names of the teachers that you had early on or a counselor that, that made a difference in your life. I, to this day, remember Arlo Antio. Nobody else, not one teacher in any of my schools, but Arlo Antio, because he would take a knee and go, what's on your heart? What's on your mind today? What are you thinking? You're, you're messed up. Look, you're screwed up like a football bat. Sit down here for a minute, young man. What's going on in your life? He reached out to me. He asked the right questions at the right time. And you know what? First couple of times, I go, told him to go pack sand. Uh, next couple of times, I was crying like a baby and telling him everything. So I would tell you, one, never quit trying. Two, all the signals are there. You just got to learn how to read them. And that's what Brian and I are trying to teach you. I, I, I hope this isn't a surprise to tell anybody on a call or anybody that's listening in that the same grooming behaviors for a drug mule would be the same uh, grooming behaviors uh, for a sexual predator or, or for any, anybody else in those type of environments. There's a certain sequence of events that have to happen for me to cut myself. 
or for me to be a bully or for me to shoot myself or for me to do those things. And what happens is, of course, we try to keep those hidden, but there's always leakage. There's leakage because our mind doesn't want us doing those things. It's just like telling a lie and you, you, you cover up your, your mouth or, or you, you know, you're, you're, you're touching your erector pile because your hippocampus is saying, danger warning, you're about to tell a lie. But they're so subtle and nuanced that if you don't see them repeated over time, you might miss them. But that's why a school is a perfect place. A school is like a test bed for that because if all these kids to measure against themselves and you have the kids to measure against their history with you or with other teachers. So if you take accurate notes, if you compare those notes, you can find a kid in trouble early. I did stupid things when I was growing up. I was given a second and a third and a fifth chance. That's why I'm here trying to give back to my community. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, you know, you, you bring up a lot of your question brings up kind of a, a, a lot of different points and a lot of the issues we see. So as parents, as teachers, as adults now, we're not very good at really remembering what it was like for us back then. I mean, we, we kind of have this different view of it now. Now, oh, now we have more experience and are educated. We, you know, we forget how to see the world through a kid's eyes and we want to reinvent the wheel. We want to come up, well, now this is the problem. Well, this is the new thing. Or, or now kids are more confused than ever. Like, come, come on, what, what kid at 16, 15 years old isn't confused? I, I'm 38 and I'm constantly confused every day. Okay, <laughs> so, so imagine how I was 25 years ago. You get what I'm saying? And, and we don't do a good job of that because we want to, because humans have a very fragile ecosystem, we call it, right? And, and we, we, we think things uh, are, everything that's happening to us is the worst thing that's happened ever, or it's new, or it's novel, or you don't understand, exactly. right? We, we, we forget all this stuff. So it's now 2022. So a hundred years ago in 1922, there were parents yelling at kids and telling them that jazz music is the devil. Yeah. And that's going to, you know, you're going to do all these jazz music. So arguably today, one of the most boring, obnoxious forms of music, and <laughs> that's just my thoughts on it, was the worst thing that ever happened to that community. So, so that means 100 years from now, someone's going to be saying the same thing to the kid. 4,000 years ago, I went, I was very fortunate to spend a lot of time in the Middle East. And one of the places I got to go to was the ancient city of, of Ur, uh, which is the supposed birthplace of Abraham, the father of all nations, uh, uh, the Sumerian civilization. And 4,000 years ago, there was a Sumerian saying, a proverb, you can uh, worship your God and you can praise your king, but the man of fear is the tax collector. So what that means is 4,000 years ago, people were complaining about paying taxes. What do you think they're going to be doing 4,000 years from now? So let's not reinvent something. So you have all of these issues that kids have to, you folks, you working in a school as a teacher, as a psychologist have to deal with. Uh, you got to deal with kids bullying. You got to deal with kids with suicide ideation a kid that, man, might come to the school and, and shoot up the place. Uh, we've got kids with normal developmental issues. we got kids uh, failing out of school, poor uh, stuff going on at home. Well, so what do we do? We go, oh, we need an expert in this field, and we need an expert in that field, and we need a new form of training in that field. It's like, well, no. Well, we come in as here's HBPRNA. Here's human behavior. This is how this works. We're going to get really, really good at understanding this. And now all of those other areas you can apply it to. So what we kind of talked about, about danger and opportunity on the last episode and what we meant by identifying these things in kids. Well, look, I don't know if I'm going to find a kid who, who's thinking about killing themselves or killing their fellow classmates, but I'm going to find them, right? And I can articulate exactly. it. I, I can't tell if it's a kid who, who who's bullying someone or maybe being bullied, but I'm going to find 
find what those incongruent signals are. And then the, the context and the facts and the artifacts and evidence will reveal what the likely outcome is. So I, I think we got to take that. We take what Greg always says, hey, let's take a giant evolutionary step backwards and get to the core competencies that all humans inherently can be good at. And let's focus on those. Well, and, and, and I don't know your situation in your school because we didn't come in and do a cognitive task analysis. We certainly didn't do a, 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 a any sort of vulnerability assessment. Uh, so I'm just saying topically with what we've been talking about. I will tell you this, violence is a language. I would speculate that you're seeing a spate of more violent offenders in your schools than you have been, and that the levels and thresholds of violence are greater than you saw in the last five or 10 years. Why? Well, COVID's not helped, okay? Uh, the other thing is the anxiety hasn't helped, and we're treating children like children, and they're not anymore. Uh, uh, we have to uh, kind of change the message in the delivery system. And, and the idea is that everybody's going, listen, I can't spend all this time with all these overfold class with the unique little snowflake that needs your help. And you know what? It's the antithesis that's true. Those are the ones that you have to pay attention to because those are the ones that when not cultivated, when you don't go in and prune the, 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 the weeds from the, the root ball that are going to grow into something that's going to say, so there. And, and when a kid finally has enough and their cup is full, they will act out. Now they're going to act out on the school through a malicious destruction of property or on another student through a fight or on themselves through cutting or, or committing suicide. And they're screaming at you every day. I misunderstood. Nobody's listening to me. I have to take, and, and people say to me all the time when we're doing our investigation, there were no signs. There were no signs whatsoever. Then we go back in, we do a timeline with them and we show them all the things that happened sometimes years before. And then they go, oh, I should have had a V8. You know, they slapped themselves in the forehead. My thing is, why don't we do the intervention now? Why don't we have groups of people that go through different types of training? Ours is a, a much more uh, a scientific and dare say philosophical approach of, of how humans think in certain situations and address them. And, and what we do uh, differently too, is we do a lot of practical application. We don't get actors and act things out. We have the people bring the stories to us and we say, okay, what are the key elements of those stories that we can recreate so we know how to uh, fight that if it should come up? How do we address that? What are the words that we're using now? Sometimes we're just sitting there and watching the television and eating the popcorn. How do I get into this scene? How do I uh, forge an alliance and, and have everybody there want to work together to tell me what the plot is? What's going on? What am I missing? And, and sometimes I think we, we're adults and, and we assume that because we're in charge, we have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. We, we don't have all the novel situations that the kids are facing these days. So sitting down and telling them, hey, listen, uh, uh, you know, open kimono. What's happening? What, you, let's, in complete transparency, what am I missing here? And there's a great visual for you, Christopher. But the idea is that we have to stimulate dialogue. If we're not talking, if we're not sitting face-to-face -face and talking about the situation, then, then, you know, is there social leakage? Of course. But most time that comes just before an event. An event is going to peak. There's a threshold of preparation and then the violent episode. We have to intervene well left of that, well before that occurs, if we're going to do something in our schools. Yeah. And I think so just kind of going into our introductory meeting a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, you know, as school psychologists, we have a, a thousand different things we do throughout the day. Right. right. It's not just assessment. It's not just counseling. It's not just consultation and behavior, academic, whatever. Of course. So we're looking at things that are almost like at a micro or individual level. Right. Essentially, when they come to us. But you guys are kind of looking at the system approach. 
correct? Yes. So, right. Yes. And, 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 and by the, and by the time it stuff. gets to you, it should be you're you're the subject matter expert. Exactly. Right? The yes. idea is everyone. This is something that everyone should learn and can know and to look for. Right. And that that information sharing is, is where it's at. You know, even the teacher sitting around having a conversation about someone. Hey, did you notice anything about Billy? Yeah. You know what? Come to mention the last few weeks. Those things are what lead to what you guys as the experts, Precisely. as the school psychologists can come in and do that intervention. But that has to happen earlier. That has to happen often. And, and you know, people don't want to, well, I don't want to get this person in trouble. It's like, look, what's the, what's the worst that going to happen? They have a conversation with a school psychologist. We're going to maybe talk to their parents. Like you, you, we, we have this, this stigma of, well, I don't want to like, you're not going to ruin someone's life or their, 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 you know, career or something later on down there the is road, no permanent there was, record because there was 50, <laughs> there were 15 years old and you said they needed right. to have talked to the school psychologist like that's part of the issue is we just need to make it not a thing these conversations need to happen so that it's no longer a stigma it's no longer i mean that was a big thing with mental health and stuff especially with military even folks and stuff like that it's like hey you, you you had to we had to change the way this discussion happened you know what i mean so that people were okay with it that it didn't become a negative thing and, and i think you know the younger you are, the, the more that should be involved with it. I think it should just be part of, of a normal daily conversation. I, I, I would add this, Christopher, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that you're also talking about stuff like a thing, like having armor guard on schools and having walls and fences and, you know, offset parking lots and, and uh, increased surveillance systems. <clears throat> you know why those help? Those are the last ditch effort before the situation occurs. Those are literally the, the, uh, hey, the body bomber's already in the marketplace. Is there a way we can identify him and the clock is ticking? Way too late in the game. So if you're talking about a structural thing that's going to inhibit the shooter, it's not. The, the, the shooter's going to shoot. But I'll tell you what's at the end of every one of those, a human. You take a look at every time a human intervened at bang when the shooter was going on and tackled them or stopped them or talked them out of it or hugged them and stole their weapon. Yeah, those things work. But listen, if you're training for that, that means you're presupposing that it's already in progress. It's already happening. We're talking about rolling back that dial and talking about every time that school has a, a function, every time parent teachers going, every time that we're reinstilling these values, these things, and, and what to look out for and how to uh, intervene well before it happens. I'll add one more thing. Uh, uh, Brian was a uh, uh, angry, angry Brian went to, to sad, sad Brian because a lot of his friends in the military committed suicide. And he came back and he said something that he didn't know that it's now doctrine. He came back and he said, wouldn't it be great if all the wonderful things that everybody told about that person at, after they were dead, when we were all sitting around there doing the wake, that one of them took the time to say something to him when they were still alive. Never miss an opportunity to go over and intervene in somebody's life and say, you look good today. Hey, how are things today? Hey, uh, uh, wrote that uh, essay. I read it twice. Great job. Because if you do that kind of thing, the endorphins that are released in that human brain, the, the chem electrochemical uh, uh, signatures can help balance out the fear and the hate and the death that they're thinking about every day. Kids have to act up so we kick them out of the nest. So they go and start a new tribe. It's, it's how life works. So if you're wondering why I don't understand my teenager, your teenager has to act up. So you go get the hell out of here. I never want to see you again. And they go breed with somebody else and, and form a new tribe. But now that we know that, let's wind back that clock and say, we need to sit down at the kitchen table and have a conversation about this. We need to share a meal together. We need to go to the, the park and throw the ball around because those moments we don't get anymore unless there's an app for them. And that's taken away from that face-to-face that -face time to share those mirror, mirror neurons and those electrochemical responses.
So a, a generalized question, this isn't for any particular level, elementary, middle or high school, but so you guys are coming in, like what are, what are things that you are at risk of also giving us a free training on your guys' stuff? Like no. what, what is some of the foundational stuff you're, you're telling schools? So with talking with kids and then anything is school related, you know, it's, it's really no different for us. Like, right. We, we get to go into these dip with these different clients from all over the place. But since we, we, we view it as all the same, then it's, it's the same to us, but you know, no one knows another student, like another student. So sure. opening up that dialogue with them is extremely important and getting teachers and, and caregivers and the custodian and the school workers all there on that same page of this, this is part of a developmental process. It's not just about security. This isn't just about preventing a school shooting, right? This is, this is understanding the, the psychological and sociological needs of, of the people in your environment. We are all, whether we want or whether we like it or not, are connected and, and, and dependent on one another. You know, everyone wants, Things, especially kids. Oh, I'm special and I'm going to do things on my own and I can do it. Yeah. Okay. That, that doesn't work. All right. There, there is no, no such thing as a self-made. Per- well, the self-made people are like the, the Ted Kaczynski's who go off into the cabin in the woods and build bombs and said, those people are self-made there. Are, everyone else learned sociologically how to become successful or what they had to. So, so I, I think we kind of misrepresent this stuff, but, but it's the same thing with kids is, is just that they'll tell you what's important. They will show you and demonstrate what's important to them. And, and that, if that might not be important to you, but, but it should be, if you have, have a child and, you know, I, I take it back to parenting. So I, I have a, I have a little nine-year-old insurgent at home and she, she's, um, she's just absolutely amazing. But you brought up something, uh, Christopher, when you ended the episode, you, you said, hey, make good choices. And, you know, it's that's one of the greatest things you could ever say to a kid, because if you're demonstrating what good choices are, they know what they are. Kids know the difference between wrong and right. It's a very, very small amount who don't understand it. Very small amount. And it, you can identify that easily. So when you say something like make good choices, that's a challenge because now they know when it comes to that choice, they hear your voice in the background going, make good choices, man, this isn't one. <laughs> of course, they're going to make the wrong choice some of the time, right? You're supposed to as a kid, that's fine. Did they know that they that they that their decision led to that? That's called learning responsibility, right? So they don't get to blame it on other people. But those simple things um, are, you know, I, I always talk to the little one. Hey, what are kids talk about on the playground? Or what's the craziest thing that happened today at school? Hey, did anything scare you this week? What was this? And, and to kids, they can't not tell you what's going on. They'll scream it out in some way, whether, whether that's through telling you everything that happened or keeping something guarded where I'm like, mm, you're holding back some information there. I'm going to circle back to that a little bit later. You know what I'm saying? So you can identify that. And then the same stuff, like because of social media and technology and stuff, you can't hide anything. You can't, you cannot hide anything. So the beauty of all that stuff is it's all out there. It's up to you to find it. So if you're a parent, your kid has TikTok and you don't have a TikTok account, you don't know how to use it. You're the problem, right? You got to get on there and figure it. Sure. I took my little one. What is this stuff? Can you show me? Oh, I go through here. And of course I search everything that she has, right? Of course, what do I find? You know, she's looking for cute, puppy videos like <laughs> oh, funny, the worst. Funny so i'm just like dying laughing I'm like that's so adorable you know what i mean but but like you 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 leave a trace with everything it's so much easier to identify this stuff now now the problem is there's a lot more information out there because of this stuff so it's hard to filter but individually in your own kids lives you you can see all that stuff and they build a pattern of behavior and when you're looking at a pattern of behavior i i have to concern myself with 
is this behavior, you know, is this standard? Is it pretty much that they're, they're the, they're the negative Nancy every day. And this is who they are. We all know people that have that certain bandwidth and they operate at that all the time. That's fine. Or is this escalating or is their, their, their behavior de-escalating? Like, where's the direction here? Cause then I can just plot it out on a graph and go, Hey, you know what? This is headed to a really bad place. Let's get this on track right now with a little bit of an adjustment. So we don't have to do a major adjustment years from now. So let's well, talk a major adjustment briefly with what Brian was saying. If we take a look at Elliot Roger uh, with the Isle of Vista killings, Elliot Roger is an insult. And if you look on a uh, line, you can see any numbers of his manifestos or his videos. And he's sitting there talking to the camera, holding a Starbucks. Well, we, we know that Brooke is at a Starbucks right now. Can you imagine that you were standing in line ordering your drink when Elliot Roger was just about to go out and launch his killing spree? Same thing with Cho uh, at Virginia Tech. Uh, Cho was in the library, uh, then went to the post office. He was out in public just before he did his event. So if you're going to take a course that's going to say, hey, listen, you can see in a person when they're evil. You'll know when that person turns. That's horse crap. That, that's parlor tricks and, and that uh, clickbait sells books. But when it comes right down to it, their behavior, like Brian was saying, plotting it on a graph, I would say your pen and a yellow pad you can do the same thing every single day. Jimmy sits here and does this today. They're not doing that. That means that something is altered. And we both, we, we both jot down every facet of our life on our yellow pads. Why? Because then you have something for comparison. And Brian talked about responsibility. I would say in your children, no matter what age your children are, you have to instill a sense of responsibility. And then you have a choice when they do something wrong, you can judge them or demonstrate that there's consequences for their action. Nobody wants to be judged. Nobody. That's why kids continue to act out. Almost everybody in your life wants their say and not their way. When you have a person that's trying to demonstrate both, you have a problem child and you have to address that. And, and somebody would say, oh, do we really want to call them problem children? Your child has a problem. Look it up in the dictionary. It's clinical. Okay. We have to address that situation. We're not trying to say there's something wrong with your child, that there's uh, uh, maybe there's a mental health issue. But the idea is that we have to know that there's clear consequences for our actions and there's certain places that we don't act up. Uh, what Will Smith did at the Octors, uh, uh, why, why did it bother me? Because that's not the venue. That's called an assault. That's workplace violence. You shouldn't be doing it because that's not the venue where you're supposed to do that. If you or I would have done that, we would have got tackled and arrested, but because your notoriety, we're not. Those messages, our kids learn that way. They're certainly not learning all, all, everything from their parents or from their schools or from their, their teachers. And your teachers and you, you psychologists are doing so much great work, but it's being lost in just the volume of message that's out there. So I, I would say grasp on, you know, uh, Shelly says all the time, uh, celebrate the little wins. Uh, grasp on the small things that you can see every day in your environment that would lead a reasonable person, artifacts and evidence that you're seeing that are incongruent, that would lead a reasonable person that that student on that day is having a problem. And, and if you see a pattern form, then you have to intervene. If you don't intervene early, then you are truly going to reap the whirlwind. But what, well, what are you looking for, I guess? Like what patterns yeah. am I? So, so Brian says it uh, in incongruent uh, uh, behavior. For example, again, I told uh, stories. So uh, Shelly and I were walking up to the detective bureau and we saw a female that was wearing a, a, a track suit, you know, the, the jogging suit uh, that was oversized. It was filthy. Her hair was filthy. Uh, uh, she had uh, uh, gained pounds since the last time we saw her in a police athletic league. And she was chewing on her hair. Clearly, all of those signs together meant there was a change in this young 15, 16-year-old girl's life that, that we uh, uh, saw 
uh, her great overtime to the human that was in front of us. So we walked up and Shelly goes, hey, how are things at school? And she goes, oh, I almost never go to school anymore. I spend a lot of my time at home. Immediately, we knew whatever was happening is going on at the school. And now we had an incongruent signal, a mention of the school. So Shelly sat down with her and Shelly got it out of her that she was in a, an abusive relationship at school. Uh, she let herself go because she didn't want to continue to be sexually manipulated. Uh, uh, and that was her outward cry for help that everybody else in her in her uh, chain of command was missing. It can be something that simple. It can be a, 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 a adding tattoos, a change in haircut, a change in clothing style, becoming militant when you were very quiet and mousy, becoming quiet and mousy when you were loud and, and boisterous. And you know what? We change every day, all of us, but we follow a pattern. So it's okay, like, like I like bright colors, uh, but if I'm wearing nothing but black the next couple of days to school, might be time to walk up and go, what's with the Johnny Cash? And, and it's okay to, to act like I'm, I'm the Columbo, I'm the stumbling bear. When I go up to interview people, I always ask like an idiot and have them educate me. And people like doing that, right? So I get a lot more out of it. Brian's very clinical. Brian uh, uh, mimics emotions of humans, but he doesn't have any real emotions. So Brian is very clinical when he goes through it and he asks very probative questions, right? So, so it, your style doesn't matter as much as getting in there and saying, what's the reason for this difference I'm seeing? Now, of course, if you front somebody, what are they going to tell you? It's nothing. Well, you got to get past that veneer, don't you? Yeah. You have to find out what it is. And that's where your interview strategy is going to uh, pay dividends. When what I hear you saying is the biggest thing is that relationship, right? If we exactly. don't know that somebody's different, we don't realize, we don't see that they, you know, were wearing bright colors for the last three months. And then yep. these days they're wearing black. If we don't have a relationship with them, we're not going to notice that. And I think that's where we are stuck sometimes in the schools is that there's so many pressures on teachers, on school mm -hmm. psychologists, on the counselors, on the administrators to do 150,000 things that that relationship falls by the wayside. Yep. And there's a lot of research that says, you know, it's not just reading, writing, arithmetic, it's relationships. And if we don't have those, then we're not able to see when somebody's not eating lunch anymore and they used to, or that they, um, you know, are only on their phone and they weren't before or all those things that you talked about. And then, uh, and, go no, ahead. That, no, and that's, no, that's why on. with that's, that's everywhere we go. Um, cause we're so hyper-focused on what our job is and what we have to do. And look, I've got these 10 things that they get through today and we've got to learn this. And I've got to bring these folks up to speed because we got to get them to perform well on this test, because if we don't get them to perform well on this test. We're not going to get the, it's like, we have, we're, what we're really bad at is measurement and assessment. We're really, really bad at that because measurement and assessment is far more complex than anyone who does it realizes, right? We come up with these metrics to go, this is what success looks like, or this is how we're going to measure successes. It's like, well, what is that really measuring? What do you, because, because, you know, you get so down in the weeds, especially with teachers and schools and everything you have to learn and, and, and do, well, what are you really trying to do? Like, are, are, are you, are you training the next, uh, uh, NASA astronaut here in the eighth grade? No, you're not. Okay. So what are we trying to do here? We're trying to prepare someone for the world outside and, and what they need to do. Well, what does that entail? Like I was not the best student. I could always, I was one of those kids that like, I could do real well on tests. Right. But, but I, I hated doing my work and I, unless I was interested in some, I would have like an 
two, like an A plus on a report card and like a D. And they're like, how is that possible? Right. Be like, well, I really like this. Yeah. I don't like that other stuff. And it wasn't until later in life that I learned it, but, but that's fine. So I, yeah, I, I went and got an education later in life. I went and got a graduate degree later in life because that's when it worked for me. And, and so back then, what was it really focused on and what are you really trying to do? Because especially if you're talking about, you know, troubled kids, or we've got all these resources we need to allocate, but you know what, if you get them through high school, chances are they got to really, they, they're, they're likely going to be chance. successful or, or at least be contributing members to society in some way, because it's such a rough time. So if you can get them to the point where they're, they're a little bit more developed, I mean, even men, your brain aren't, aren't in, or prefrontal cortex is even fully developed till like your mid twenties or late twenties sometimes, or maybe, me, maybe I'm not yet. I'm hoping not yet yeah. is where I'm at. So, so the idea is, is you're trying to get them to that page with, and what are we focusing on? Well, what's important? communication, right? Uh, uh, understanding other people. You know, I, I tell my little insurgent, you know, she gets told three things every morning before she goes into school. Hey, work hard, be kind and make good choices. And you know what, if you can do those three things, that's a successful day. That's a successful school. She'll figure out what she wants to do later in life. And then guess what? She now knows I got to work really hard to get at that. So, and that's hard to do, you know, you're a teacher, you're, you're, Hey, look, I have, this is my subject. I have to teach. And that's important, but it's, you can do all of this stuff on top of that. I can be a better human. I can communicate more and still do my job. If I just tap into what I'm good at as an individual, how can I, how can I just read the room? How can I understand a student, what their needs are a little bit? Because if I focus really, really hard and all my effort and just getting the, the, the information out that I'm trying to like, well, I might miss the mark because I didn't read the room. I mean, we do that in our courses. Like yep. we have to take a step back or take stuff out and go, you know what? Hey, we're not going to get to that. We got to slow down today because I'm having a hard time reaching the section in the back of the room. And, and if you constantly evaluate that, you'll get really good at seeing it. And, and you know what else you got to spend time on? Uh, uh, read up and study up on survival and how humans have uh, evolved. The idea is this, if you've tried to evolve with just platitudes, you're going to find yourself in a dark corner alone, surrounded by skeletons, because platitudes get us nowhere. Platitudes don't help us. You're saying, oh, it's my morning motivation. No, it's not. Uh, that's the coffee. That's that's you getting up and going to the gym. That's you choosing tangible things uh, uh, to go out and do every day. Uh, vulnerability is how we would pick on people in our smaller tribes to weed them out because they weren't going to help the group survive. Well, that's still going on in the classroom today. And you have other people that are vulnerable that you don't look at. Your creative person that's up there that's running for school president, walk up to them one time and, and you got rules to follow, of course. But listen, limited objective experiments, sit down with one of them and saying, have you ever thought of suicide? Do you think that they're going to say, no, my life is rosy and happy? They thought of suicide just like every other kid in that school has thought about it. And, and the idea is you're saying, oh, my God, do you think my kid actually has thought about suicide when they're growing up? Yes, all kids do. The idea is that what was their outlet? Did they have a chance to talk to you about it? Did they say, today I'm feeling vulnerable, and the only thing that got me through this week, this month, was my God, my book, my teacher, my whatever. Find out what those things are because that's how you build uh, uh, adaptation with 
which leads to resilience. You got to have that scar tissue. We all have to fall down once in a while. We all have to fail in a group and have the group pick us up and dust us off, or at least model behavior that we can follow. And in high functioning groups, you're going to have some kids that are left behind. And those kids may be your vulnerable sect, or it may be the ones that are pushing so hard that they're not taking care of themselves. So you got to sometimes shake the fishbowl to see what's going on in there, because it's not always what you think it is. The highest functioning kid with the greatest grades may be the, the, the one with the most emotional turbidity. Uh, uh, and, and so we have to challenge the assumptions that we've been given by testing it. And the way to test it is take a knee and talk to kids, talk to kids individually, talk to your kids, talk to your neighbor's kids, talk to kids in a group, get it out there because when they're transmitting, they're much less likely to, to use violence as a language and act something out. So I'm a mom of three girls. I have a 15 year old, a 12 year old, and just nine year old, like just turned nine a couple days ago. And, you know, I think this is, is very, I like Brian. I like Brian's terms better. Insurgents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> insurgents. <laughs> Definitely. Especially the 12 year old yep. is there, <laughs> yep. uh, but you know, I think it's, it's interesting because, you know, in our world, there's nothing off limits. We talk about it yep. all, you know, you, yep. you know, it, it just, how it is, but so many other parents are not that way. I've earned the designation of one of the top five strictest parents in the world because, um, my kids cannot have their phones in their rooms at night. They are checked on a frequent basis. And, and they're like, that's so embarrassing. And I'm like, tell your friends. I want yeah. them to know that yeah. I check your phone because I don't want them to send you stuff that you shouldn't see, that you shouldn't get. That's a good thing. But so many parents are afraid of that. So many parents are um, feel like they're intruding, that they're not allowing their child. Yeah grow up no they they are, they are intruding and they should intrude like this is how this this is this is what we're talking about at an individual level is you you have to get involved and involvement means asking questions and and being probative and just and and it doesn't even matter what the response is necessarily just so people know like hey I, you're not going to get away with this stuff around me and that that's what builds and people understand boundaries and a bit you know they 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 understand what's important like we all hated that stuff as a kid but you know I got in trouble and my old man took away everything I had, took the door off my room. So you want to act like a criminal? I'm going to treat you like one. And like, you're never going anywhere. And I was complete lockdown. I was like, wow, this really, this really sucks. And I had to argue with him on why I should be able to go see my friends again and, and get my, you know, CD player that I paid for back. You know what I mean? He took that stuff from me. So like those little things were, were, were what established, you know, you know, learning boundaries and understanding what's consequences. But with, with all that, it, that's how you get good at understanding and predicting human behavior is just asking questions to everyone you meet you know when we, if you ever saw greg like every single person whether it's the barista at starbucks the person checking at the hotel the person who's standing in line he talks up every single person why because you're going to find out a nugget of information that's going to help you out or you know what maybe they just need an outlet you help them out i mean the idea is is just that getting informed like that so if it, with your own kids is it does it suck yeah Guess what? They like the little one knows you don't have privacy in this house. That's that's that is a privilege, not a right. If you want to earn some more privacy, okay, we can talk about that. Parenting is that's how that works because now those kids know what right looks like compared to other kids, and they're going to then go forth and, and and do that in the world. So you're 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 helping not just inside your own house, but sociologically as well with with the entire community. Doc, you're you're spot on. What you're talking about is having an environment where you can operate at the speed of trust. 
listen, we all trust that what's coming out of our mouth is going to be the fact. You don't have to worry. I'm not uh, uh, secreting clothing somewhere and changing on the way to school. I don't have cosmetics or, or marijuana in my locker, and I'm going to alter my behavior when I'm out, outside of your realm. That only occurs when a person uh, understands that first I learn my boundaries, then I test my boundaries, then I push my boundaries. So if you're a parent, you know your kid's going to push the boundary and you know the tricks that they use, you can bring it up in a conversation and say, hey, I want to be transparent with you. I'm afraid that this behavior is going on. Prove me wrong. There again, I'm not judging, but I am showing that there are consequences. What are the consequences? Well, my oldest kid is 40, older than everybody on the call, and she's got a PhD in philosophy and special <laughs> education. Well, I started off as a hood rat. How can that happen? It happens because my wife and I were human behavior profilers. Yeah. Kids got away with nothing. You get what I'm trying to say? So there's nothing wrong with saying I'm in the strictest house. But then a movie like Carrie comes out and, and uh, uh, you know, Stephen King, and then we're all afraid, oh, I'm going to push my kid away. Your kid's going to leave anyway. And if your yeah. kid doesn't leave, they're going to be a fail to thrive living in your basement. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Say, don't worry, mom, just seven more years. And, you know, I'm 35, but seven more years and I'll be out. Listen, you have to say, what am I creating that I'm giving to society? And that's your child. And, and schools are creating those children as well. I would rather give your kid an opportunity for midnight basketball than have them in the back of a patrol car uh, uh, going, going to the detentional facility for juveniles. I would rather your kid and your adult go on a police ride along and see the consequences of other people's actions together so they can have a point of clarity to talk about. Now, did you see what just happened? Why? Because domestic violence happens in relationships, and I love you enough that I don't want to see you in that relationship. Uh, workplace violence happens, and I want you to know what anger looks like so you never have to face it on the road. That's what we train. We train in stuff that everybody already knows, but we've evolved past because we've said, uh, give me a number three supersize in a clown's mouth for so long that we think somewhere all that learning is occurring. And I'll tell you right now, it's not. So go back to your family, go back to your church, go back to your school, because we assume that stuff is happening and it's not. I know Brooke has a question, but just to agree with you, Greg, so I'm, I'm obviously what I do. And my wife, much like Casey and Leon, our mutual friends is a BCBA. So we hope that we have everything taken care of about raising our children. Right. But I guess you never know, I guess, right? <laughs> no, and it's okay to make mistakes raising yeah. your kids. You know yeah, what you do? Really I would walk in and I would sit down at the kitchen table with my kids. We know something's up. It's not just yeah. a holiday. Yeah. And we sit down and we bring those things out. And, and, and I remember choices that I made. And I'll say, I made this choice and I know it didn't seem fair at the time. And now upon retrospect, I probably wasn't the most fair, but I'm a human just like you and I make mistakes. So if you can forgive me, we can get past it. All of a sudden having a parent say something like that to a kid, that's transformative, but it needs to happen because if it's not happening, the kids are assuming that you've got it all figured out. And you know, we don't, teachers don't, psychologists don't, doctors don't, that's why they call it practicing. So it's okay uh, to be vulnerable around your kids. Well, and that models that for them, right? Like exactly. From you that that's okay. It's okay for me to say I made a mistake and own up yep. to it. And, well, and, and you brought Those up the perfect word is that that's how humans learn. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, people tend to overcomplicate things is they're, they're learning, right? You're teaching your kid, whether you're doing that actively or yeah. nothing at all, you're teaching them something. So what is it that you want to teach? And it doesn't have to be perfect. You just literally model the behavior that, that you want them to see. Like there, there's just ways you can do that very simply, right? So anytime we go anywhere, I always, you know, open the door for my wife, my daughter, and I should not explain to her, hey, when you meet a guy later in life, he should be doing, 
she's learning that. I don't have to say it to her. She knows what right looks like. There's certain things that I say and don't say around them. You know, I try to allow her to always know that she can talk what, whatever she wants to talk about. She can say in the house, that's our safe space space right she's right. so funny she makes jokes sometimes that my wife and i will die laughing and we have to be like hey you cannot say that outside this house <laughs> that was wildly inappropriate let me tell you why yeah. but then she's like but you laughed i go because you have comedic delivery that is far beyond your ears <laughs> and and i hope you do something with that but i need you to understand this and she goes got it she knows she can say stuff in front yep. of mom and dad and it's okay. Now we have to teach her what right is, but just modeling the behavior. That's it. You just demonstrate it through your, through your actions. Irony I, and sarcasm are uh, <laughs> uh, signs of a healthy kid. If you see that in your kid and your kids are laughing at those and they can get those references, you know, you're doing the right thing, but we're so afraid to model uh, this 1950s uh, uh, persona, the Dick Van Dyke show in the sixties. Sometimes it's okay to show them that you're, you're learning things every day too. I think that's a good thing. I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, purchased, I'm sorry, flowers for my wife, but now I, yeah. you know, now that my daughter is almost 21, uh, she's received a, a healthy. There uh, you go. You know, and <laughs> There's so, nothing wrong with that. Uh, I said, no, I said, no. I'm sorry, flowers to so, me. For yeah, yeah. I do, you know, so I'm going to, I want to switch a little bit here on you and I don't, there's a tough one of the toughest situations that I kind of get and you guys have talked about some of the foundational psychological principles and, and theories uh, you've talked about confirmation bias one of the toughest situations that I tend to get into with teachers is when the teacher comes to me and says this kid is going to be the next and then fills fills in the blank what what kind of guidance or advice or, or how would you coach us um, as school psychologists and coach our listeners when we need to respond to teachers like that? So, so well, Brooke, that's such a, uh, it's such a great question. I'll say this first, uh, just initially, sometimes they're right. So yeah. here's, here's the, the standard. And, and, and Brian, I know you'll, 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 you'll uh, Brian's a genius on, on his delivery. My thing is it's all down to artifacts and evidence in support of a reasonable conclusion. There's a baseline behavior for all humans. If that human's so egregiously outside of the baseline behavior, specifically in that venue, a school, a church, a 7-Eleven, if they're acting out outside of the constraints of that, you have artifacts and evidence that demonstrate that it's been more than three times, uh, which is generally the charm that I found in my investigations, then you got to do something. You have to act first or, and act fast, or it's going to be a bad situation. One of the things we always use is um, prove it. All right. If that's what you think, and that's what Greg's talking Perfect. about. It's like, well, prove it, write it down, every, write down uh, everything that you think, every indicator you're picking up on what you feel, what you sense, what you, what, what you hear, everything. And then we can investigate that. And, and, you know, when you've got kids like this, people make those statements, you know, kids know like, oh yeah, if you, if you went to any school right now in the entire state of Texas and you did a poll of all the students there and you said, write down the three people in this school that are likely to come in and, and either kill themselves or kill other students or do something, they, they're all going to list the same people. So the idea is how many, what do we, we all have finite limited resources, especially in school. So who do we have to focus it on? Well, we have to focus on the most likely people that are going to do that. Now you can't maybe legally do that. Uh, I'm not suggesting that as a course of action uh, uh, for anyone listening, but the idea is the kids know, teachers know, and people can change and people, you can have, you can intervene with someone. 
um, we were teaching a course at a university and one of the students came to the course and, you know, we picked up right away on him, you know, because he was dressed a little bit differently, act a little bit differently, but you, you can't always tell why, like, you know, is this person has autism spectrum disorder? Do they have that? You know, they, they could be a million different things and they were a little odd. People would describe them as, okay, there's nothing wrong with that description. Just a little I'm different. A little yeah. And then you had at the other table were these like three jacked, you know, SWAT cops who've been, you know, running and gunning for 20 years. And, you know, they were just like meat eater guys, you know, really nice. But the, I said, Hey, everyone, don't forget. We're, we're not getting started here for another 20 minutes. Go ahead, get to know each other. And the kid, the odd kid got up and sat right down at the table and he was so out of place there and he just engaged them. So I was like, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. So over the course of the next couple of days, we talked and the kid came up and he was literally like, Hey, look, I was that kid in my mom's basement wanting to go shoot up a school. I wanted to go kill everyone. I was depressed. I had this going on. I had nothing. And I hit this point and I realized that like, I'm the problem. I need to fix this. This is going nowhere good. And he said, I didn't know how to talk to people. So I just started, I went to the mall. I'd see an old lady sitting in the food court and I just sit down and say, can I talk to you? And he started doing that. And he started doing that over and over again. Then he got out of high school. He joined the military and he was involved in some mental health stuff in the military, helping people out and creating these programs and stuff. And like, so what he was, is he was taking that path. He was what you, depending on, again, what someone's motive is, you'd say he's radicalizing himself to go do this, or he's amping himself. He was that person, but he made a choice and said, you know what, I'm not going to go that direction. So the idea is when you come across these people, we look at it as they're broken human being, but, but we're all broken human beings all in our own unique little way. Right. So what is it about this person? Because you're working with kids, they're in school. Every single one of these school shootings, a, a, a teenage suicide can be prevented. Every single one of them can be prevented. That's a person that needs help. Uh, uh, they're not a, a terrorist. They're not a, a, the evil, you know, reincarnated. They're a broken human being who's mimicking behavior they saw and they're relating to something that they don't need to relate to. So, so how can we change that course? And, and that's, that's, you know, you, everyone's going to know who that person is. So let's yeah. allocate our resources to the individuals that we need. So, so two quick things on that, Brooke. What Brian is saying is that if all the serial killers, if all the school shooters, if all of those folks sat down and wrote a novel about their experiences, you wouldn't be able to tell where one author started or stopped because they all have that same root personality disorder that drives them to do this. So what I would do, the second part is, Brooke, I would go out and I would buy a spray can and I would go to a, a big wall at the school and I would spray paint on there, you can fix you and I'm here to help. And I would stand there. And I would say, come get some, because those people that are broken know they're broken. They're, mm -hmm. they're not delusional. They know they're broken. Okay, a delusional person will stick out over time above the baseline, and you'll get them help because they're not the ones that are going to come back and do this. But that kid that's standing there that's reading that and seeing you standing next to your work, Brooke, is going to come over and go, I'm, I'm broken, man. How, how can you help? That conversation alone can save lives. And why are we not having that? Because uh, you can't afford the spray can? because you because you don't want to have that rough discussion i'm saying go out there and get some every day i think another thing you guys you're kind of bringing this up and alluding to it greg is that there's no stereotype person nope. that nope. will do this stuff right i mean no uh, i'm odd i wear odd clothing so yeah. so you know I'm, I'm more predisposed to be a school shooter no it has nothing to do with it you know some people smell some people look funny some people have long hair 
That, that doesn't mean anything. Okay, yeah. those behavioral traits have nothing to do with what's inside that human. And that's where we need to get to. We need to get what's on the inside that's trying to fight its way out. Well, and even after, and you guys correct me, anybody on this correct me, because of my age, let's be honest. But after the Columbine shooting, right, there was a lot of stuff like it was violent video games. It was heavy yep. metal music. It was, you it's know, junk. All, they're it's loners, all that stuff. And that's all just there. It goes back to jazz music. You know what I'm saying? It's jazz that, music. that darn jazz music. We have to point to something. You know, don't, we, the, don't we have to vilify we, something? We, well, that's yeah. the thing is it's much easier. And and I, I we don't even get in those discussions. It's, oh, it's the the video games. And it's, well, it's it's guns. And while it's, it's, uh, it's what was the big one of the, oh, the satanic ritual. Like a yeah. lot of this stuff is such junk. And, and we, we glam onto that because if, if we put all the responsibility on that individual, it means we're putting responsibility on ourselves. And we don't like that. We don't yep. like to know that we could have done something and prevented this. We don't like to know if you're that teacher in that school go, oh, well, yeah, it's because of this. It's not because I saw this coming a mile away and didn't do anything because we don't want to live with that. And it is our responsibility. And it's okay. We miss things sometimes. Exactly. That's why we have a team. That's why this sociologically humans need other humans to survive. You need help. We all need help in some ways. It's very easy for us to point to something and say, yep, this is it. You know, it's that darn Facebook. Come on. Uh, people have been writing things on walls for like a few thousand years. Oh. I don't think that's changing Whatever, uh, anytime Brian. soon. But, you know, I, I, I think it's I think it's behavior and it's the individual and, and, and it's not well, the, the medium or, or whatever thing you want it to be. I think you need to take that one step further. The reason that we have that monster under the bed is because we're afraid of the dark and it's got to be the monster. It can't be me. I'm such a fragile egotist that I can't have it be my problem. So the reason that I uh, can't assume that Billy down the street or Susie is a school shooter is because then it makes me vulnerable that my kid could be. I could do Okay, it. so you understand that we don't want to talk about those things. And those are the vampires. Those are R.L. Stein's toys in the attic, uh, flowers in the attic that we got to yank out into the sunlight. Because the longer that we keep believing that horse crap that was written by somebody 172 years ago uh, uh, that didn't have uh, uh, our insight and our ability. Look, I look at, at, at every day you show up for school as a challenge to write in your diary what happened that day so you can impeach somebody's testimony or you can say, look at the pattern, the trajectory this person's life is on. And you know, it takes a few minutes every day. I do that with my own employees. I do that with my friends. I do that with my family. Why? Because then I see things before they occur. I can cushion them. I can buffer them. I can stop them. Uh, uh, I didn't get fat all at once. It took a team effort. <laughs> do you get what I'm trying to say? It took a team effort. And now losing the weight, I'm into my third year. And yeah, I've lost 100 pounds but it's hard as hell. So the idea is, what do I want to do? Do I want to keep up on the hard stuff that's going to have the results and I'm going to see the consequence of my actions or do I want to just default to human behavior patterns? So, so the idea is, yes, it's a challenge, but it's doable. Hey, Greg, I support you on your weight loss journey, man. Congratulations. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going down. It's not easy. We work out everywhere we go. We only need healthy on the road. We have these things that that Brian and I do to build each other in teamwork. And then Brian being the realist, I said, hey, I got to go for a run. He goes, Greg, it's it's more of a walk. Just your arms are moving faster, you know. <laughs> so I get Brian to bring me right back down every yeah. day. It's good to have that person in your life. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or it's horrible. I haven't decided yet. Fair enough. Uh, so we are getting kind of towards the end of this episode. You guys have really given us a fraction of the knowledge and application of stuff that we need. Is there any lasting thoughts or last 
statements that you would like to say? Closing arguments. All, all <laughs> yeah, human I, beings set patterns, right? Yes. All human beings set patterns. You can't not set a pattern. It's It just becomes who you are. So, and people like Greg mentioned it, it's a really powerful one. Most people want their say, not their, not their way. Most people just want to get off their chest and shout out and shout into the void. And, and what you, so we only need to worry about people who want their say and people who want their way as well, because that's different. So we all set patterns. We all create habits. Most people want their say, um, that, that would be my kind of takeaways for everyone just to think about what that means to you in your life. If you're listening to this. Yeah, and I would say uh, the only thing that I would add to it is that the uh, most important person in your world is you. Uh, that's the way you see everybody else in the world. That's the way you think about the consequences of the things that you're about to do or, or you're not going to do. I would say change that up a little. Uh, I was at a meeting very briefly, and this guy was spouting all this win all the time, win everything, win, 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 win. And so I was up next, the speaker that was coming up next, and the guy walked by and I shook his hand and he goes, hey, Pete Carroll. I go, yeah, that's great. So later I was telling somebody about Pete Carroll. They go, oh, Pete Carroll, the, the coach of the Seahawks. You don't got to be Pete Carroll's win again strategy, coach of the Seahawks. You don't got to be good looking. Clearly, I got a face for radio. You don't have to make a lot of money to make a change in your life or make a change in the world. You can help others. You can help yourself. You can get educated. You can go to training. So, uh, you know what? Sometimes it's expensive. Sometimes it's going to take longer than you plan. But uh, small, subtle, incremental changes every day, and you're going to get to your goal. I appreciate that. Also, you don't have a radio face. I have a radio forehead. It picks up signals <laughs> from like 17 planets away. That's so. hilarious. <laughs> um, so, but. You guys, I really want to thank you guys for coming on here and helping us out. You know, we are trying to push school psychology out into the world and what we can do and how we can help. There's a huge shortage of us. Clearly with Brooke, our traveling school psychologist yep. and Rachel as well. Yep. Um, you know, we need school psychologists. We need mental health professionals in schools, you know, and if we have, if people just understand that we have these abilities and this knowledge, I mean, hopefully we can get some more out there. We appreciate you guys, all of you guys, one, what you're doing uh, in your roles as educators and, and, and literally shaping the future of our nation, not just your, your communities where you're at in the state of Texas, but we appreciate that. And, and appreciate you letting us take up two episodes of your show. Of course. Man, of course. Thank you. We feel really important right now, yeah. but we're vulnerable. So don't pull the rug out from under <laughs> us just yet. Hey. Every season needs filler episodes, all right? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> but yeah, so I want to thank Brian and Greg. I want to thank our special guest host this week, Rachel, for coming on and giving us some knowledge and some tidbits. You know, you're always welcome. And if Greg and Brian, if you want to listen to Rachel's episode, she did an episode earlier this season and she's phenomenal. Well, and we usually wait. kind of just like you guys, we ask a question and sit there for 20 minutes while she just gives us the information. <laughs> <laughs> and then my co-host, my partner in crime, Brooke, thank you for joining us from your Starbucks that you're at right now. <laughs> All right. So, so Brian added a couple of things for you to, to, uh, tad, tack onto your make good choices. Do you remember what they were? Yeah. Be good. Right. Be, be kind. Be kind. And what was the second work, one? It was be kind. Work hard. Something. Work, work hard, hard and make good choices. Yeah, make good choices. <laughs> I was trying to let him hit a home run, but there we go. <laughs> yeah, you said. Ouch. Hey, Ouch. you know what? In home run derbies, even when they were juicing in the early 2000s, not everyone went out of the park. All right. So that's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but for all of our listeners, again, I thank you for listening to us. I know you got a lot of stuff to do on your time, but we all have long commutes. So thank you for putting us in while we're commuting. And for all of our listeners, make sure you follow us on all our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram at TXASP. 
And until next time, be kind, work hard, make good choices. Mm -hmm. Love it. <laughs>